Did you do any uh, cross-country skiing? I did. You know, I did, and it was a grand old time. We got we got some snow last night, uh, a, a decent amount. Do you have any skis? You know, they... actually, I do. Is the do thing. you really? I, I, they're my dad's, and I wouldn't know how to do anything with them. <laughs> do they go on my hands, my feet? Right. Like, I don't... The physics of skiing doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but... Um, we do in our basement. We have some skis. Are they downhills or cross country? Okay, so I'm going to reiterate. I have no idea how skis work, <laughs> but I do have <laughs> two of them in my basement. Maybe more. There may be more. There may be four. There may be like a pair of them. Uh, they do look like they can go down a hill. They can probably go up a hill too. Welcome to Footy Fellas, coming at you from Chicago and Minnesota. We're going to be talking soccer, life, playing games, playing mind games. We got a little something for you. This episode is brought to you by Jumping for Juniper. Excited to see what they have for us. If you haven't yet, throw us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at FootyFellasPod, F-O-O-T-Y, Fellas Pod, and please subscribe to the YouTube, also Footy Fellas Pod. EPL is truly at a mid-season point, with most teams having played 19 games out of their 38 games by the end of the year. We're going to take a hard look at our preseason predictions and see how we're each doing so far, be critical of ourselves, of each other, and banter a bit about where we went right, where we went, where we went wrong. So stick around for that. The other big thing that happened this week on home soil, for us at least, the MLS Super Draft happened. And as I was looking at the first round picks, second round picks, some good analysis online. Obviously, I'm not as familiar with the college game, the college players necessarily. But it brought me back to picking teams as a kid and either getting drafted or having to draft your friends, random kids in your grade, those fourth, fifth grade, sixth grade, ninth grade recesses and picking teams. And I was curious what each of your experiences was like. Did you enjoy being a captain? Did you enjoy having to pick the team? Or did you enjoy getting picked first because you were such a good athlete? What about you, Winter? Huh? Yeah, the latter. I didn't like being the the captain decision maker picking teams, but I love being picked first or second, <laughs> depending on whoever was, was making the calls. That was the lowest you went was second. If it was your arch nemesis, they'd be like, oh, fine. All right. I should go second. <laughs> yeah, I like to think that's how my childhood was. Yeah, lowest was second. <laughs> I, You know, I, I agree. I feel like we've got a pretty athletic crew here. I, I was... I definitely would be disappointed if I weren't in the top pick. I remember, I think a, a feeling maybe we've all kind of held in, in some, at some point in the, in our gym classes or recesses, wherever this kind of thing occurred. I enjoyed like when I was newer to a group, maybe it was new at, at, at Parker or, you know, uh, new on the soccer, you know, soccer team at Wesleyan or anything. But I liked when you were newer and people didn't really know how athletic you were or competitive or anything. And, and they may have been like, yeah, you look good. Like I'll pick you like seventh or eighth mm-hmm. or something. And you just come in. And, oh no, no, here we go. Like when you're playing pickup in the park, that's it. And they're like, they're kind of restructuring teams and stuff. 
and they're putting you with a couple guys that you know are pretty good and you're looking at yourself like oh like we're about to run this game right <laughs> yeah. now like that's a, that's the feeling i enjoy the best and worst depending on which side you ended up on was when there was a guest pe teacher or or it was random selection just one two one two everyone count off yeah and the teams are so unfairly stacked <laughs> that when both groups spread in their separate directions you're just thinking, oh my God, this is going to be a slaughter. Yeah. And it could be capture the flag. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you know the flag is going to get captured immediately. And the other one is going to be safe as a, a vault door. Yeah. Tell me, were you the type of guys when, when you recognized this and you were on the team that was clearly worse, were you the type that would whine and like make a big deal out of it? Or would you say, you know what? All right, team's on my back. Like we're doing this. The underdog. Here we go. <laughs> Yeah, I would I would definitely try to beat the other team who was clearly stacked, but I wouldn't really I think I'd maybe do a little coordination and strategize with my team, but if we're talking like capture the flag for instance, I never wanted to play defense. Like I was never protecting the flag, I always was attacking. And so there's no way even though I knew we'd probably lose regardless, I guess of what we did, I would always want to attack, so I just kind of would let the back just be guarded by whatever random people may have been picked on my team. But no, I would, I always hated when people would complain if a team was stacked and I happened to be on it and they would cry about it. But I think the most yeah. fun to be on the worst team was dodgeball because you could legitimately put the team on your back because you would let everyone get out. You just kind of dodge everything and hang out. So it'd be a one on six. And then you're looking for everyone to chant your name as you catch the balls and bring your teammates back one by one. And it was just epic. Would you guys ever, when assembling teams, would you ever intentionally be like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to make the team, the other team a little bit better because I think I'm that much better than the other, than the others. Like, I think I'm undervalued. I think I can do this. Did you ever, did you ever find yourself in that scenario or is my ego just way too big? <laughs> yeah, that's you. You were just well, so confident. <laughs> I don't know. Now that I talk about it now, about my childhood and how as an adult, <laughs> maybe I'm kind of like this. I, I was never, I, I never put myself in a decision, decision making position like that. I never wanted that role. I, I always wanted to just do what I had to do given whatever team I was on. So I never was in control of that stuff. So Jones would have, Jones would have put you on the other team. He would have been the one deciding <laughs> teams and being like, my team's so, my team's going to be so bad because I'm on it to even it out, like shift, you know, pendulum, make sure the weight's in the middle. And you would put Icy on the other team because Icy would just take that in stride. Right. And be like, I'm here to win. Right. I don't care. I don't right. care who you put me with. I, I will say, I will say, I think we would make a pretty good, if we had like a little five-a-side team and us us three were in there, it doesn't even matter who the other two are who we're playing. I'd feel, I'd feel pretty good about us. Yeah. Unless we were playing sure. like like legit, like we're stacking up against like recent D1 grads or something. I think in the, in the men's league kind of space, 5v5s, I guess we would need a goalie. And then what else would we want? Maybe a striker, like a proper striker, probably. What do you think we're missing from our five-a-side team? I'm thinking about the name and whether we name the team Footy. <laughs> footy no, 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 truthfully, like if we're named Footy Fellas, yep. if people come in thinking they're going to smack us or we're solid. Oh, and I, can't, I can't decide. I can see it going both ways. Well, they, here's what they're going to think. They're going to see the name on the paper and be like, wow, I would not only want to watch soccer <laughs> with these guys, but I'd probably want to get a drink with them afterwards. Yes, so, that's that's what it is. So they're probably soft. Is. I wonder if they have a <laughs> podcast. Yeah, what that's are the what chances? <laughs> I've heard that name before. I mean, we're what top ten podcasts on Spotify <laughs> in the nation. So, 
Yeah. I, uh, I'm going to think about this five aside. I really do think though, we would, I think we could use from, we don't have, we don't need a lot of big, big guys or anything, but maybe we could use um, a, a, like a small, like a keeper, quick. maybe Zach Steffen. Yeah. Or, right. Or uh, Zach Steffen on a small goal and five aside would be pretty powerful. Yeah. At that point, it's like, why don't we just get like just a sumo kind of wrestler, kind of like a goalie goaltender, kind of just big to guy. To put him in the small goal. Right? Back to the MLS draft. Austin FC. Had the first pick, the new the new team, nice. the new team in the league. And they took Daniel Pereira, who was a bit of a shock to some. He didn't show up in the mock drafts at number one, but he's a very exciting, energetic midfielder from Virginia Tech. So he'll look to bring new energy to the team they're assembling through the expansion draft and some of the other players they brought in, like Nick Lima from San Jose Earthquakes and others. Second pick went to FC Cincinnati, also a relatively new team, and they drafted Calvin Harris. The DJ from Scotland. Are you kidding me? No, they drafted Calvin Harris, a forward from Wake Forest. Um, so another good pickup for them. And with the third pick, the last one I'll mention, the Colorado Rapids took Philip Mayaka. A.K.A. Diplo. A.K.A. Diplo. Marshmallow went fourth. <laughs> and he was actually projected to go first in the draft by many experts. So people were pretty surprised. So I'm sure the Rapids were happy to get him at number three. Outside of the MLS draft, though, the other piece that caught my eye this week was Zlatan's new haircut. I don't mm. know if either of you saw Zlatan's new haircut or lack, I guess not lack thereof of a haircut, but lack thereof of hair. Yes, yes. I saw it. It was inspirational. As a receding hair um, haver on my end, I appreciate that he he appeared to be owning it and really just uh, went clean shaven. He looked beautiful. But was it a deep fake? That's the question. Did you see this, Icy? Did you see that Zlatan went bald? Yeah, I'm seeing it now. It's uh, it's pretty remarkable. It kind of gives me some um, Silva vibes. Ooh, there is questions as to whether it is a deep fake, though. So I guess we'll see in the coming days whether he really has the hair or not. I'm a fan. I mean, he it's Zlatan. He's gonna he's gonna be very confident with whatever he's got going on. That's very true. I see. What else is going on in the world of soccer within the last week? All right, last week today. Hit it, Tony. In the Bundesliga, we've got Bayern sitting atop with 42 points, a full seven points above second place RB Leipzig. However, not all is cheery and fun and bright with Bayern as they did lose in PKs to a Bundesliga second division team Holstein Kiel in the German Domestic Cup DFB Pokal. 6-5 in PKs, so... You know, pretty brutal for them, but honestly, I don't care. It's Bayern, so they lost to a second division team. Oh, well. Let's move on to Syria. Syria, Milan is sitting atop with 43 points, two points above second place Inter Milan. So it looks like Milan as a city is uh, just partying it up, loving the top of the table. Juventus is seven points back from the top. So, uh, you know, they got some work to do. In League 1. We've got PSG and Lille tied atop the table with 45 points. PSG does have a very large advantage in goal differentials, so they technically sit in first. In the EPL, we've got Manchester United sitting atop the table with 40 points, two above Manchester City, who do have a game in hand. And as this is halfway through the season, as Eli mentioned, we will be taking a look at our preseason table predictions a little more in depth 
in just a moment. Next in the FA Cup, Southampton beat Arsenal 1-0. A disappointing performance by Arsenal. Uh, it was an own goal, actually, by Gabriel. Manchester United beat Liverpool today in what was actually a pretty fun and entertaining game, 3-2. to So I'd love to see the goals coming. Unfortunately for me, it was for the wrong team. Jones over there smirking. Yeah, 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 we get it. All right, Burnley beat Fulham 3-0. to Now, I mentioned all these three games because it was Prem teams versus Prem teams. Uh, all other Premier League teams won their games who they played lower league teams. So um, nothing, nothing shocking there. Although Manchester United was trailing Cheltenham for a considerable amount of that game. And then they just scored three goals rapidly. Won that game three to one. All right, Eli actually stole a little bit of my thunder talking about the MLS draft. So I will just have one little snippet for folks. And MNUFC drafted Justin McMaster, who is also from Wake Forest. Um, A lot of Wake Forest players got drafted, so that's pretty sweet for that team. Uh, Justin McMaster uh, now on MNUFC, so looking forward to that. In the NWSL, they also had a draft, the 2021 draft. Uh, So a little recap of that. Six of the first 10 selections uh, were black women. And so there was one of the main headlines coming from the draft was how how diverse the starting, the, the overall top picks were. So that's great to see. Love that. The number two draft pick, Trinity Rodman, is the youngest draftee in league history at 18 years and eight months. The top three picks of the draft, Emily Fox, Trinity Rodman, and Brianna Pinto. Emily Fox is the first number one overall selection to not hail from Stanford University since Rose Lavelle in 2017. I think that statement right there just goes to show how dominant Stanford University is at uh, women's soccer. So so good for Emily Fox. Good for every, every woman getting drafted in the NWSL. Love to see it. And finally, we'll wrap up with the FA Women's Super League as Manchester United sit atop with 29 points, three points above Chelsea. And that's your last week today. Great updates, Icy. The name Trinity Rodman might sound familiar to a lot of you, and that's because she is the daughter of Dennis Rodman, the Chicago Bulls crazy no way. trick superstar in the 90s. Who do you guys think, quick early take, who do you think is going to have a more um, illustrious career, Trinity or Dennis? I hope Trinity. I hope Trinity because that should be a stud for the, yeah. the national team within the WSL, uh, within the NWSL, possibly within the WSL or other leagues overseas if she surpasses Dennis Rodman's success. What yeah, What what def- what would do what how, what does she have to do? How many times can I say what? What would she have to do in order to eclipse her father's success? Well, win okay, the t- NBA championships. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, I feel like a lot of Dennis Rodman, uh, anytime he's in the media, he's a very eccentric character. He hangs out with Kim Jong-un, or he used to, you know, the dictator of North Korea. So he's, he's just very eccentric, kind of crazy. You know, I think Trinity, I have no, I, I know nothing about her. I know very little about Dennis Rodman, but honestly, if she makes headlines for just dominating on the pitch, that's a win for me. 
I think I think that'll that'll do it in my book. Agreed. That would be an amazing career and an exciting draft for the NWSL. I know Maggie, our friend who we spoke with a while back, friend of Footy Fellas, the agent had some stake in that draft. So exciting that that happened, both that and the MLS Super Draft. We're going to head to our first and only sponsor because we hope they'll have us jumping for joy. Mm. And we'll be right back. Hey guys, if you know me, you know that when I'm not at the gym just getting absolutely shredded, and I mean built like a house, then I'm likely at home on my sofa crushing some Disney+. And if you guys haven't heard yet, Disney's got a new miniseries coming out this February called Jumping for Juniper that's sure to warm your heart through this frigid winter. The plot centers around young Prince Kristoff, an earnest, curious boy who's only ever known life in the walled city of Huggle Blossom, nestled nestled within Kiwi Kiss Capricorn Valley. Every night, his older sister would read him stories of the Beyond Lands, places like Tickle Pickle Snickery Doopy Mountains, or the Poppy Snuggle Schmooger Swamplands, (laughs) or even the Splishy Splashy Drip Drip Waterfalls. As he falls asleep, he dreams about exploring the bubbly boats of Sir Bibbly Bath's floaty fleet, or climbing Muckleboggin's meddling mountains and the pleasant pheasants. Time to time, he dreams about traversing the tippy-flip tea-kettle teep-tap-teetle trapeze over the Jeepers Geronimo Gapers Gorge. Follow his extraordinary journeys as he shuffles through Sultan Sufyan's secret sandpile cityscape or as he avoids the perilous prickly plume-bobble pirates tucked away in the jiggle-floop jungle, or as he walks through downtown Detroit. If you're as, curi- if you're as curious as Kristoff, like me, you'll love watching Jumping for Juniper only on Disney+. Plus. This sounds like some knockoff Dr. Seuss <laughs> going on. Uh, but, you know, I might give it a... Is, is, so is this targeted for children? Should I take my kids? Are you going to take your kids, Jones? Well, it is on Disney Plus. I was looking up the ratings. It, it has not been rated yet, so um, I, thought, I thought I saw it was rated R or maybe X even. Yeah, again, I think that's it. Might literally the rating might be that it's unrated. It's like that dark. Um, got, it, got it. It was written actually. It, it's written not by Doctor Seuss, but rather um, M Night Shyamalan. So it's got a bit of a twist factor to it. Not sure what it is, um, but hey, I'm excited. Oh, Disney Plus scooped it up. You know who are. I'm just confused on who they're targeting, but you know, let's let's go. I think kids might accidentally watch a rated X movie, but I mean, look, here's your introduction into the real world, kiddo. Exactly. Yeah. You don't just traverse the tippy top trip kettle yep. uh, trapeze yep. and come out the same. Right. No, you know? no one can. No one can. I'm so confused what the plot of the show is. <laughs> but there's just going to be so many settings. The budget must have been massive, unless right. it's horrible graphics. <laughs> right, right. Well, the, the, what I've been hearing, and the reason why I think they, they gave the ad here, is that it kind of takes a podcast form. So literally, it's his dreams. It follows his journeys through these different places. But I think these places might be all just him describing it um, via like heavy ASMR kind of stuff into a microphone. So it's very low budget, very uh, COVID friendly. Um, mm. so futuristic, um, timely, uh, and Hey, you know, ready, ready to just, um, ready to just explore. Well, if you want to watch something that's going to make you sit there and watch it, then you should check <laughs> out jumping for Juniper on Disney plus. Yep. Thank you. Jumping for Juniper. 
yeah, they must have spent a ton of the budget because what they paid us was nothing. Yeah, I haven't seen a lick. They gave me the script. They said, or else. I haven't seen anything. They, I'm pretty <laughs> sure they sent it to Icy though, right? Did you receive at least our payment? <clears throat> I did receive. Um, I actually received a bunch of Jolly Ranchers. I don't know what, why. They said your payment's coming soon, but enjoy these in the meantime. So. It's actually um, not bad. Yeah. I'm, it's not too bad. They were all blues. So I think I think they're genuine people. <laughs> so was it like a bag of blue or did they pick out all the others from the... No, they painstakingly picked out the blues. It's a remarkable job wow. okay. by, by that crew. I'm, exci- I'm excited to chat about the EPL season and how it stacks up against our predictions because my prediction was the best. Very nice. And it wasn't even great, but it was the best. I see you put together the bit of math that's helping us understand how we did relative to our preseason predictions, which we're going to get into. Do you want to explain the calculations, the painstaking hours that you put into (laughs) the monocles you put on and poured and stared and used ink on our preseason predictions, how that worked? Yes. With my feather quill, I painstakingly over a candle lit flame uh, this morning was scribbling in my in my scripture i don't know (laughs) okay so what's going on is that eli jones and i all made a prediction in the uh, preseason for how the table how the 20 teams in the table and the prem are going to line up and we're taking a look at it today and what i did is uh if you pick so for instance for example eli and jones had man city as the first place team and so I would score them as one because Man City's sitting in second place. And so that's one position away. So I did that position shift score for all of us, tallied that number as a you know one metric to view how well we did. Eli scored a 72. Jones and I tied with 78. Um, also took a look at the number of absolutely correct 100% correct calls that we each made Eli had three so he had three exact picks he had Southampton in 10th Crystal Palace in 13th and Fulham at 18 Jones unfortunately had zero correct picks let's go Uh, I had one with Man City in second Um, another fun thing that I thought uh, out of this was our median score so Eli had a median of two for his shifted position so he was two two positions away um, for most of his, you know, kind of at the end of the day. Two two was his lucky number uh, positions away from getting that accurate. Jones and I both had three. So overall, you know, I think we hope that the end of the season is going to sh- see a table shift a little bit. Um, but you know, we'll talk about it right now. But we had a couple really big underestimated teams and overestimated teams that we'll talk about. So each team, you took their position in the table that we predicted before the season, and for each position, you added up the number of slots off from their current position. So you gave Man City as a good example, I see, and then how you got to that 72 number was you did that same calculation for all 20 positions and and added those numbers together for how far off each team was from their current actual position. Why don't you go first, since you did the calculations, what were some key storylines you saw that stuck out to you as, wow, I nailed that pick, I missed that pick. How are you feeling about your table overall halfway through the season? Yeah, so my table overall is, it's 
fine for, well, it's fine for the top few teams, but uh, the lower side, for instance, Aston Villa, I had them finishing, getting relegated in 18th position. I was a full 10 positions off for them. They're in eighth in the table today. So I very much underestimated them. Same as West Ham. I had them nine positions lower than they actually are. Sheffield United, I overestimated. I had them seven positions higher than they truly are. And same with Brighton and Wolves. So a couple of those teams, I hope, you know, Wolves, I think they can turn it around by the end of the season. We're at the halfway mark and, uh, you know, their their main go-to guy, Raul Jimenez, suffered a, a terrible injury to the head. So maybe, hopefully, he can come back and, and re, re-energize that team and score some goals for them. Arsenal, I think, will will come up, and Chelsea's having a bit of a slump, but I think they'll figure it out as well. So I think my top my top side of the table will do fine, but the bottom half is, is for sure not going to do well. For me, Aston Villa and West Ham were also two of my most poorly guessed teams and that I underestimated how well they would do. And that's where I dug in to look at some of the stats from last year, from this year, look at transfers a little more. And I found it kind of interesting that they actually finished last year in 16th and 17th West Ham Villa. And right now, halfway through the 2020, 2021 season, they are seventh and eighth, eighth West Ham Villa. So one in front of the other, but they both improved markedly. What led to that improvement? Their defenses last year were horrible. And they didn't change the defense that much. So it's interesting because it kind of seems like a mindset shift. I also didn't look at goals across the league. I'm curious if goals across the league in general are down. They started off so hot, right? But with how many games they're playing and how short of an offseason there was, it feels like there's been less goals recently in games. So I'm curious if just goals against for most teams are down. Um, Aston Villa made two key transfers. They brought in Ollie Watkins, a forward, and Martinez, their their keeper. Grealish has upped his game to become kind of otherworldly top five in the world, top 10 in the world, perhaps at this point. And then their defense stepped up. Similar for West Ham, they brought in Thomas Susek and, and Kufal, Victor Kufal on defense. De- Declan Rice has made a similar jump to Grealish, not that he's as good, but he's improved noticeably. And they're marginally better on both sides of the ball, especially defense. So it feels like both teams went through a similar transformation year over year. And neither me or you or Jones did a good job of predicting that because it was hard to see at the beginning of the season. But there's some mindset shift where they're just winning those key games and have jumped up the table because of it, way above our expectations. Totally. I wonder if um, uh, the spin zone on it was, well, last year they just severely underperformed. I know that West Ham uh, definitely last year had brought in that. That's when they had brought in like seven guys. I don't know. They had spent a ton of money in their offseason. They were expected to do, to do pretty well. And then they just floundered, which was really off putting. And I think is, is by and large why David Moyes was brought in. So completely agree. Um, it, it is interesting also that to, to your point, I, I did not notice that, that they had, they're just off by one position year over year. That's really funny. Yeah. Um, uh, I too was sim- seeing similar things. I, I mean, we all, I think, uh, some suffered from kind of a, you know, hive mind uh, table set here. And we did predict them separately. We will say we predicted them each on our own separately, not together, but obviously ended up with some similar predictions. Like the top four, we all had Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, and Man U in some shape and form. I don't think any of us really saw Wolves being as um, poor 
as we were expecting. I even think with with Raul Jimenez, if he were in the lineup, uh, similar to, to what Icy was highlighting, I still don't know. They really haven't been just that convincing of a team this year. There's even whispers of of whether or not um, uh, you know their coaches to be dropped. So um, you know that that's one that I'm eager to watch uh, and see how they transpire over the rest of the season. You look at their expected points and they're right where they should be. Um, so it's not looking too optimistic for them. Um, who's the other team I was looking at here? Um, I think Arsenal's the other one that I'm that I'm kind of willingly um, expecting to see jump into that into that potential top six race. Um, yes, they're currently only operating at, at at what should be about a ninth place finish um, according to expected points, but um, I really do think, and I've been saying it since the first half of the year. They just have too high of a salary base. And I know that's not really a fair way to equate how well they should be doing, but they really have been, in my estimate, underperforming in some ways. And with little tweaks, they can they can um, certainly make an assault or ascension. Last piece on it, Leicester City. I didn't see them doing nearly as well. I was just going to ask, why did we all underestimate Leicester? Jones, you and I had them finishing in ninth. Icy had them finishing in sixth, which is pretty reasonable. And they're in third right now. I think there's a little bit of recency bias that may have infe- uh, affected our decision making. If you guys remember, they were, you know, top four for a big chunk of last year. And then right at the end, they just crumbled. They really fell hard, um, which was by and large due to, you know, significant injuries that they had taken on. Um, and I don't think we really valued just how impactful, uh, let's talk about them, Harvey Barnes really would, would be. Um, nor did we anticipate that when they brought in Fafana or Justin, that they would actually be, um, as impactful in their back line. So, um, definitely a team we're not underestimating now. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lester looks very strong. Even with Vardy, with his recent injury, I think I see them still performing quite well. Vardy actually hasn't been getting the number of goals that, that you may imagine of a Vardy type player getting. Uh, still, however, you know, his dynamicism and his runs and how he takes defenders with him, that's all, you know, that second tier that makes a great player. Um, so obviously he'll be missed, but I think Lester's going to be fine without him. So I, I, I think they, they, they might finish in, I mean, top four, maybe let's, let's see if they can keep it up. If, you know, if Madison, Madison's got to stay healthy, he's pretty fragile, uh, if I remember so. And we'll see how that goes. You know, I think the team to watch second half, back half of the season is Brighton. We heard our boy Grammer talking a lot about Brighton and how he was a little disappointed and that they've been, that they're this low in the table. And uh, he, he likes the way they play. He likes their coach. I think Brighton will make an ascent. Um, I don't know what they need to do, but I think they'll figure it out. And I can see them turning it, turning it around a bit and maybe taking a crack at that top half of the table. That'd be huge for them. I mean, unexpected points to grammar's ideas where it was coming from, because it's based in stats and that's what we're going back to. They're technically in seventh. If you go off of expected points, which is insane considering that their actual position is 17th in the table. So definitely should see an upward trend if they continue to play how they've been playing. And ICU and Jones had them finishing in about 10th and I think I had them finishing in 12th. So they could end up right around that range. I think our, I think Tottenham and Everton have fallen back into that 
expected area where we put them in either sixth, seventh, or eighth or ninth, basically, all of us. And they started off both on top of the league, Everton for the first six weeks looking unstoppable, then Tottenham looking unstoppable. And they've kind of fallen to sitting in fifth and sixth right now. So I could see both of them finishing right around that Europa League spot, Tottenham more so than Everton probably. But let's get one minute on two top teams each. Icy first with Chelsea. Actually, let's go Jones first. Sorry, Icy, I'm coming to you with with Liverpool, obviously. But with Chelsea Jones, you had them finishing in fourth. Icy and I had them finishing in third. They currently sit in ninth. Are they going to get all the way up to third or fourth? Are they going to finish somewhere in between, stay where they are? What do you think? You know, they're they're a fascinating team. Uh, not to be one that you're rooting for, though, of course. A lot of turmoil in their leadership. It When you're looking at expected points, clearly they're severely underperforming. They should be in the top four comfortably at number three there. Um, I think the thing that I would be worried about is if in the next couple weeks, the next, say, you know, maybe just say the next month, if they aren't able to find or or straighten the ship in some capacity, um, they could have literally no chance of any um, Europe competition for next year, which would be absolutely devastating. And I don't think that they as a club can stand for that. So um, do I think they make a top four? Well, they've made it really tough on themselves. Um, I don't see them right now catching a City, Liverpool, or a United. Well, frankly, uh, maybe I shouldn't include Liverpool in that mix. <laughs> but um, I think I think right now um, they definitely have a large mountain to climb. Uh, right now, I will stake that they won't break the top four. However, I think City, Pool, United, um, and then either a Leicester, Tottenham, and you know what? I'm gonna throw Villa in the mix. Um, all have a uh, more rightful claim for a European spot than Chelsea. Moving to Liverpool, I see your your squad. We each had them finishing either first or second. You had them finishing first. No bias. Honestly, a, a fair <laughs> no. guess coming into the season. They're reigning champs. Why not? They're currently sitting in fourth, but they've looked a little shaky lately. What do you think they are going to do for the rest of the season? Yeah, it's been it's been disappointing these last few games. It, glad to see them finally put some in the back of the net today, even though it was FA Cup. Um, but you know, it's, it's definitely been disappointing. My, one of my things that you guys hear me talk about is that they're playing the ball in the back so much. Actually, I was thinking about it a lot today that the way they play is that they they kind of push everything. They play it around the back, and then they kind of make these little darting passes, which pretty much compacts the whole field. So you've got 22 players in this small area. Yes, it's going to be hard to score. Whereas you've got Tottenham with their counterattack style where it's like, you know, you get you get pressure and then you break the pressure and then it's like a four on three, three on two. You have an advantage type situation. Liverpool, I think, has got to look a little bit more into that mindset. Maybe not invite pressure, but they they really make the field small and compact, which I think is, is really hurting them right now. Um, there's not a lot of creativity on the the final third, or at least there is, but they're they're just sloppy and they're not getting that last pass through. So, a lot of words. Liverpool, they're not looking great. I do see them finishing in the top four for sure. However, their chances of a repeat title win for the season are slim. City is looking very good. United is also looking quite good. 
Um, so look, I think they've got to pull it together. They they need to get a win this week. If they if they don't get a win this week, it's I guess it, I guess they're playing Tottenham, so that that'll be tough. But a big result at Tottenham, I think, would do them wonders. So huge game. Um, I think they, they, it's a must win for them. Yep, good takes for Chelsea and Liverpool. I think that the team I am most worried about changing their position that I actually nailed is Fulham because they've actually looked pretty good, and I have them in 18th. I could see them finishing a couple of spots higher. I could see them picking up some points and getting out of relegation, which would obviously be great for Fulham and Fulham fans. But for my preseason predictions, I could see them rising up. I don't know if either of you have thoughts on Fulham or Sheffield. Is there any shot they they make it out of the bottom slot? Well, let me throw it back to you, Eli. If you have Fulham making it out, who then swaps with them? Another team that I am only one spot off but has looked not great is Newcastle. Hard to say they're going to fall into 18th, but I could see they're in 16th right now. I could see them dropping. Brighton, like we said, will probably move up the ranks. Same with Wolves, Crystal Palace. So it would really have to be Newcastle if they're going to overtake anyone. Maybe Burnley, who haven't looked great, but Crystal Palace, Leeds. Leeds is an interesting one. What do we think about Leeds in 12th right now? We had them finishing in 14th for myself and Jones and... I see you were higher on them in 11th and they're in 12th. So we're, we're kind of in the right range, but now that we've seen them for half a season, what do we think about Leeds? One of the most exciting teams in the premier league. I think they're, I think they're, and I'm going to say this from a non super Leeds fan. I think Icy's going to have a little bit more well nuanced answer, but I think they're an exciting team that, that you want to do well, but they're, Unless unless they really do start to show a little bit more discipline in some regards, I know that Bielsa sticks to his guns and doesn't change it, but unless they get to play a little bit more disciplined in the big six games when they're playing teams who have the talent and capacity to beat players one on one, that's not you know that's not really an issue for them athletically and, and intelligently. Um, I, I think that they will continue to kind of sputter and potentially potentially um, fall a little bit even further than where they are. So. Um, hopefully, hopefully that they can find their rhythm and um, capitalize against teams who aren't as as um, athletic. But I think that they need to exercise a little bit more discipline. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I think there's just too much talent on that team to be a relegation team. I think they're they're safe for sure. I think, as you said, Jones, you know, if they can put in the work and win, scrape, scrape out these wins, or even get big big blowout victories against the teams that aren't top six. You know, that's a, that's a good formula for for success, middle of the table success in the Prem. I think that they're going to probably shoot for that this year as their first year in the Prem in so long. And then once they're safe and sound, um, I do think Bielsa is going to have to take a long, hard look at, okay, how can we, how can we actually get sort of that, um, change up our tactics a little bit to to even make a, a run at the top half, maybe Europa, um, for the next season. So I think they're going to play it the way they are. I think their formula will will keep them safe in the middle of the table. But for next season, they will they will look to switch it up. Leeds is one that will probably finish where they are or lower. Just their defense is too, it's too many holes. Yeah, it's too many holes as exciting as they are. But we'll see. I'm hoping I I stick in first and have the closest predicted table to actual table come end of the season after the next 19 games it's a really tight race though you, you are both tied on 78 total points given your calculations i see which are wonderful so thank you for throwing this interactive table together for us 
Absolutely. Let's go to our favorite, our favorite game to round things up. Little over under. I think you could have guessed that because you know it's critically acclaimed, because you know it's been rated by the New York Times, the Minnesota Times, the Chicago Times, pretty much time all over the world. Right, naturally. Even Father Time yep. says it's his favorite game ever. Mother Nature said, which is a glowing review if you've ever if you've ever spoken with her. Yeah, if you've seen her, she, she gets mad. So this yeah. is gonna be it's gonna be a quick one, but it's a pretty popular topic and super broad. Just thinking about it this morning, we were listening to a little music, watching some of the soccer. It's gonna be a little music themed over under, very general themes. Let's jump into it. Jones first over underrated or just rated rap music. Rap music is uh, it is rated. I think. Uh, ooh, uh, it is. Oh man, yeah, it's. Oh god, it's rated. Rap music is rated. All right, you you nowadays. It depends on your perspective and how you know of rap music, but it is it is what it is now. Oh my god, I don't even know what I want to say about this. Rap music is it's just rated. It's rated because. All right, it's rated because you know that there is. I don't, guys. This is tough. Just let it out. Ready. All right, listen here. It had no fear. Bax is on the mic. All right, I think that was about 15 seconds oh, total. Okay, sorry. It's rated. I, I'm, I'm going to bail. I see. Look, okay. Like, sorry, Eli. I've got to save face for footy fellas. Just, just because I think we're going to get a lot of hate for that take. Rap is so multifaceted. You got so many different artists in the, in the mix that it, it's got to be underrated. Um, you got your J. Cole. Completely different from your Lil Wayne, from your Kanye West, even from the new guys coming out. Um, but I don't even know Lil Dirk. I don't know who these people are. <laughs> but you got like Takashi Six Nine, Bobby Shmurda. There's such a there's such a range of talent um, that there's music for every single. I think I really do think there's music for every single person uh, who wants to get into rap. Um, and so that's why I think it's underrated. Very multifaceted. Very talented. And uh, I think the I think music a lot of progress in music comes out of the rap genre. So that's what I was trying to capture. Um, I think <clears> you <throat> said it better than Icy, but thank you for adding yeah. on there, Icy. Icy just Jones, kind of echoed what like, I was saying. This, right. Yeah, you almost right. just piggybacked on right. his take. Right. right. Exactly. So <laughs> thanks, thanks for the the, the mansplaining, Icy. Appreciate that. No, that was yeah, yeah sure. that that was great. And it, even even people that are older Dallas Mavericks fans. They might like Lil Durk. He retired. He put out an <laughs> album or two. It's pretty fire. It's pretty fire. It's half English, half German. And it's, a, it's almost better than Dame's. Dame's new stuff. Icy, is hip-hop over or underrated? <laughs> oh, boy. Now we're going to get more hate because... Uh, 15 seconds. 15 seconds. Difference. Um, okay, hip-hop. I think it's... Oh God, it's, it's a sub sub genre of rap. And so it's multifaceted. It's, it's the same. It's got similar things, very multifaceted, a lot of talent out there and a um, little bit of something for everyone underrated. That was a cop out. If I've ever heard of it. <laughs> it was a cop out. <laughs> I came up with these music genres like five minutes ago. Cause I realized I forgot a little over under action. Either way, That's Jones. Yep. Is country music over underrated? Underrated. So here's the thing. Country music I used to hate uh, uh, with a deep fervor. And then I think over the past couple 
um, months slash years. Maybe it's been quarantine related. I've gotten very into the sing-songy folk way that um, country music tells a story and the catchy kind of um, folksy um, um, chorus, chorus or choruses, if you will. So um, I'm going to say uh, underrated gets maybe a little too much hate for, for, for what it actually um, is. You have become quite the the country fan, or at least you're showing that side of yourself. I see last one are chill lo-fi beats over <laughs> underrated. Uh, look, I'm going to go underrated again because chill lo-fi beats, no lyrics, perfect study, work, grind music, uh, just just gets you in the zone, nice white noise. It's great to get work done, underrated. I just want to add on so we don't get hate from our fans. There's a lot of chill lo-fi beat artists in the genre. Okay, it's super multifaceted. A lot of different <laughs> types of beats, a lot of different types of lo-fi. Right. Even different chill, right. different amounts of chill. Right. And they all bring different things to the game. Right, totally. Whether it's Lil Dark or Lil Dark, they're each bringing something <laughs> different. Or M- M30 Zion. Famous SoundCloud lo-fi bopper. And or M Night Shyamalan. Yep, straight out of those beats are very chill and super lo-fi. Yeah, Cleveland's finest. You almost can't understand them. No, a lot of <laughs> beat bops. Do you think Jumping for Juniper features any lo-fi beats in the, in the show? Jumping for Juniper. Here's the fun part: Jumping for Juni- Juniper um, soundtrack is similar to uh, Black Panther, all done by Kendrick Lamar. All done by Kendrick Lamar, featuring Suge Knight and um Lil Nas X and um Paramore. So it's uh it's an exciting mix. Um again, Jumping for Juniper comes to Disney Plus in February. Tune in or you'll be tuned out. <laughs> wow, that's dark. But <laughs> probably play it. Jumping for Juniper. Disney Plus. Play play they play for keeps. That's that I thought it was I thought Green Day was making the soundtrack for them. They were, but then their stuff, believe it or not, was almost too vulgar. So yeah, uh, don't want to be an American idiot. Throwback. Okay, sorry. Kid on the trapeze, going hard, dreaming adventures. He walks a lonely road, mm. and it's the loneliest one that he has ever known. So if that kind of thing appeals to you, check out Jumping for Juniper. Check out Footy Fellas in the future mm. on our social handles. The pod, obviously, if you've made it this far, you are checking us out, which we appreciate. The YouTube which we're starting to put out some new content on. And we'll be back in February with a couple of fun interviews, perhaps, perchance. You'll see. And the three fellas, as always, thanks for listening. We love you. Adios. See you next week. Yeah, I did actually take a, I took a wrong turn on the, the course and I was like, oh, okay, whatever. It'll just be a small loop and I'll be back to where I want to be. <laughs> Dude, this took me some roundabout, but in the woods, like up and down hills. I was like, where the hell am I going? <laughs>